you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to episode 73 of By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host. I'm glad you're with us today. We are pausing in our discussion on hearing from God uh, to devote two episodes uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and his uh, coming. Uh, First of all, we are looking at Palm Sunday, which is right upon us, just a couple of days away. We want to focus on what happened on that day historically, and then we want to devote an episode to Resurrection Sunday and the glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What what was Palm Sunday all about? It was an incredible day, uh, to say the least. Uh, It was a time in Jerusalem where multitudes of people showed up. They they had to show up, if you will. If we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16, listen to what it says. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. So the law required that the males of Israel all appear, get to, show up at Jerusalem. Now that it had been established, the temple was built. They had to be there three times a year. Now we are right at the Passover, when we're thinking of the Lord Jesus and the triumphal entry, and the Passover basically overlaps the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So when the Lord Jesus is going to make this entry into Jerusalem, riding upon the the colt, uh, the foal of an ass, he is going to enter in to a place where multitudes of people have gathered. Now, Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that at that time, with all the people gathering for Passover, that there were probably more than two million people in the area of Jerusalem. Think about that. Two million people. And it is into this setting that the Lord Jesus chooses to officially present himself as the Messiah, King of Israel. Now, he had been preaching, as you know, for some three and a half years. He had been ministering all over uh, Galilee and Judea and sometimes uh, uh, out of Israel and to other areas. And now this time comes. He who is the Messiah is going to make this official presentation of himself. Now, what I'm going to do is just make reference to the record from all four Gospels, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this event. They each give us a little different insight, and that's why I'm going to make reference to each one of the presentations. We're going to end with the presentation found in Luke's Gospel. Uh, I love that passage of Scripture. I love the specifics that it gives, and I love the story that is behind it. Uh, But first of all, we are in Matthew chapter 21, 
And I'm going to read just part of this whole presentation. Uh, Matthew records it all in Matthew uh, 21, 1 to 11. Uh, I'm just going to read to you verses 8 through 11. Listen to what it says. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed, this is the Lord Jesus now coming into the city, coming toward the city. Here are these multitudes going before him, following after him. And these multitudes cried out, as verse 9 goes on, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, Hosanna is a term from the Hebrew that means to save now. It turned into not just a, a prayer request, but it was a, an expression of praise to God. And so here are the people again, verse 9, they cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David, giving recognition, it seems, to the Lord Jesus Christ and who he was. Verse 9 goes on, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now watch what happens, verse 10. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. This is multitudes of people. All the city was moved, saying, who is this? So here are these multitudes gathering and crying out these praises to the Lord Jesus, and then the people say, well, who is this? Verse 11, the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now, isn't that interesting? They didn't say this is God in the flesh. They didn't say this is the Messiah, even though they were giving these cries of praise. They did recognize Jesus as a prophet. He was, in fact, the prophet. But the simple truth is multitudes got caught up seemingly in the moment of this thing, and the best they could say about who the Lord Jesus was, is that he was the prophet of uh, Nazareth in Galilee. Wow. Well, we go over to Mark. Mark also, in chapter 11 of his gospel, uh, records this event. And uh, wisely, he records it in verses 1 to 11. I'm just going to read verses 8 to 10. Very similar to what Matthew said, but listen to it. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then this, blessed be the kingdom of our father David. Everybody looked back to David, and rightfully so. He was the great king of Israel, and the people knew, should have known, that the Messiah would be of the family and lineage of David. And so here the multitudes are crying out. Mark says this, they cried out, 
Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. There's Mark's record. Powerful words uh, relating to us a very powerful and incredible experience. Now, I'm going to skip Luke. I mentioned to you that I, I love that passage. We're going to go back to that. But I want to come over to the Gospel of John, and John records this Palm Sunday event in chapter 12 from verses 12 to 19. Now, I'm going to read verses, uh, let's see where I want to go here, 12 and 13, and then we're going to jump down to 17 to 19. So this is John's record of the triumphal entry of Christ that day we call Palm Sunday. Verse 12, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, ready for Passover, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So a lot of people gathered hearing that Jesus was going to come. Verse 13, they took branches of palm trees. I think both Luke and John refer to the tree branches as palm trees. Um, We did not get that in, in Matthew and Mark. It just said the branches of trees. But Here's the record that it was the branches of palm trees, and that's where we get our our term Palm Sunday. So verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So John records that at least some of the people were crying out, to Jesus and recognizing him as the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now we jump down to verses 17 to 19. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. So now we see another element. Now we see the Jews who saw the resurrected Lazarus, and they are spreading the word, evidently, bearing record. Yes, this man, Jesus, rose Lazarus from the dead. So verse 18 says, For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. In other words, hey, we wanted to stop him. We have not stopped him at all. And then they say at the end of verse 19, Behold, the world is gone after him. Wow. What statements. What what an incredible experience this was. I can't grasp it. I don't think you can grasp it. Maybe you can better than I. But here, over 2 million people in and around Jerusalem, and then as the Lord Jesus approaches riding on this foal of an ass, the crowds gather, the branches are spread, clothing spread in the way, people begin to cry out praise, even praise to the 
king of Israel, crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. These cries go out. The multitudes are gathered. Do they really understand who he was? Did they really understand what was going on? No, Matthew says a lot of people said, oh, yeah, well, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth. Okay, well, wonderful. Others gather, look, we saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, and and others, no doubt, we have seen the resurrected Lazarus. Multitudes gathering, excited, but did they understand? The Pharisees thought it was over for them. The Pharisees looked at this event and said, the, the world is going after him. We, we have lost the battle, as it were. What an experience. Did anybody say, there he is, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Savior? Did they then submit to him as king? Of course, the answer is no. No, nobody really understood. Well, I want to go to Luke because his record is so very powerful and meaningful. I'm going to read, beginning in verse 37, I'm going to make comments as we go through this text, and we'll go all the way down to verse 44. It says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives. So what's happening? Well, the Lord Jesus is riding on this colt. He comes near to Bethphage and Bethany. He's a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. And to get to Jerusalem, he has to go over, or at least he chooses to, go over the Mount of Olives. He gets to the Mount of Olives, and if by chance you have been to Israel, I hope you have been. If not, I hope you can go sometime. Uh, We've had the privilege of being there uh, 10 times. We now do not expect to ever go back again until the Lord comes back. But if you get to the the top of the Mount of Olives and you, you begin the descent, you're starting to go down. You look across the Kidron Valley, and there is the city of Jerusalem. Now, today, there there is no temple there, but you're looking across at the eastern gate, and right beyond that would have been and was, in the Lord Jesus' day, the temple. And so he comes And as he comes to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples, it says in verse 37, began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Why? For all the mighty works that they had seen. See, you get the message? Did they understand? No. They thought he was a prophet. They were stirred and stunned by the resurrection of Lazarus. But as Luke records it, when the whole multitude see him, they are praising God. Why? For all the mighty works that they had seen. 
They were praising God because people had been healed. The dead had been raised. Uh, Multitudes had been fed. They had seen all these mighty works. That's why they're praising God. They don't understand who this is. They don't understand what's going on. Verse 38, in lifting up their loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, verse 38 says, saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now now they're, they're calling him the king, but they don't understand. They go on, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The Pharisees respond. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Why are you letting these people cry out these praises to you? Why are you letting them say, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord? Here he is again, presenting himself officially as the Messiah king. The Pharisees say, stop these people. The Lord Jesus responds in verse 40, and I'm going to tell you why he said what he said. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Wow. Why would he say that? If these people did not cry out these praises, the stones? And by the way, if you've ever been to Israel, you know this. There's stones all over the place. He said the stones would cry out. What's happening? Well, we don't have time to turn to the Old Testament passage, but I'm going to refer you to the Old Testament passage of Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel 9, the people of Israel have been in captivity for a long period of time. Captivity to the Babylonians. Remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel reads in the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. And in reading, he finds that Jeremiah said that the exile, if you will, the the, uh, captivity was going to last for 70 years. Daniel recognizes, and he had been taken into that captivity as a child, Daniel recognizes that he was moving toward the end of that 70 years. And he begins to pray, and the essence of his prayer to God is we repent of our sin Daniel personally repents of whatever sin there might have been in his life, as it were. And he, in essence, says to the Lord, we are in this 70 years of captivity, and it will be over soon. What's going to happen next? Gabriel comes to Daniel and gives him a vision, a prophecy of 490 years. And the 490 years are described in Daniel 9 as 70 weeks. The term week in Hebrew is shabu. It means seven. Seventy sevens of years. 490 years. 
And God, through Gabriel, says to Daniel, when these 490 years are up, then Israel is going to get the fullness of the blessings of God that have been promised to them as God's chosen people. Daniel was told that the 490 years would not begin immediately, but he was given a date, a time, if you will. And that time was going to be when there would be a a commandment given to restore and to build Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed. And so Daniel is told by Gabriel, the 490-year prophecy of the future of Israel will start when a commandment goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem. And then, and you'd have to study the passage to see it, but then Daniel is told this, that 483 of the 490 years will end with a specific event. So the 490 years starts, When we get to the end of the 490 years, all the blessings of God promised to Israel will be fulfilled. But then Daniel is told, but 483 of those years are going to take place and will end with a specific event, leaving seven years still to be fulfilled. 483 years a specific event. And the event is described in Daniel chapter 9 as Messiah, the Prince, coming. The coming of Messiah, the Prince. Here we are now in Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus riding over the Mount of Olives, seeing the glorious city of Jerusalem On his way, the multitudes gather, crying out, crying out that he is king, though they didn't understand it, crying out praises. And then the Pharisees saying to the Lord Jesus, tell these people to stop. And the Lord Jesus says, if they stop, the stones would cry out. Now look, Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. He had been there before. As the male Jews were all required to be in Jerusalem for the Passover. The Lord Jesus, I suggest to you, had been in Jerusalem for every Passover. And he had been there since he had begun his public ministry as the Messiah. But here we are. This is the event. This is the event where Jesus Christ, although he's been giving all of his credentials by his teaching and his miracles, he's been sending out the message, I am the Messiah. This is the official presentation. This is when he is riding in, claiming, by the way, in fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, that the king of Israel would come riding upon an ass and the colt, the foal of an ass. And here's the Lord Jesus doing that very thing. And he's saying to Two million Jews, as it were, I am here, I am the Messiah, I am the King, I am your Savior, and everybody's crying out these praises. And what happened? 
In less than a week, they crucified him. In less than a week, they crucified him. But the Lord Jesus knew what was happening. And so here Luke tells us in verse 40, if these stones should hold their peace, quoting the Lord Jesus, excuse me, if these people would hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Now watch what happens. Verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city. So now he's coming down the Mount of Olives, and he looks across, and he sees that city, Jerusalem. And the Bible says he beheld it, and he wept over it. The Lord Jesus, looking at that city, multitudes of people around him, he pauses and he begins to weep. And the term wept over it suggests that he is profusely weeping, weeping, weeping. And then he says these words, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, this was your day, if you had known the things which belong unto thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. Oh, all the people are crying and yelling, and the Lord Jesus looks at that city and says, you don't even understand what's happening. If you did, it would be wonderful, but you don't. You don't. And then he said, and now these things are going to be hid from your eyes. You're going to be blind to the truth. You're going to be blind to what's happening. Now, what's amazing is if we went back to Daniel 9, Daniel tells us, as uh, uh, the angel Gabriel told him, that after this event, the Messiah would be cut off. That's Daniel's prophecy. And the Lord Jesus here weeping over this city knows what is coming next. He knows he is going to be put to death. And Daniel recorded for us that had to happen after this Palm Sunday event, and it did. But Daniel also told us of another event that had to take place, and the Lord Jesus makes reference to it right here in Luke 19, verse 43. The Lord Jesus says this, For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and they shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. The prophecy was made in Daniel 9. The Lord Jesus re-prophesized this, because Daniel said the time would come when the city and the sanctuary would be destroyed. And now the Lord Jesus, here on what we call Palm Sunday, knowing his death is coming later that week, looks ahead to what we now know, was 70 AD when the Romans came to Jerusalem and destroyed it. Million Jews were killed. 
The city was destroyed. The sanctuary was destroyed. All in fulfillment of the words of the Lord Jesus and Daniel the prophet. And the Lord Jesus said, it's going to happen because you did not know the day of your visitation. You didn't even understand what was going on. You did not know that the Savior Messiah was truly right in your midst, ready and able to set up the kingdom, but you rejected him. Now, we have a minute or two left. I want you to think about this. With all that taking place, there was still seven years of that original prophecy given to Daniel that was not yet fulfilled. Wasn't yet fulfilled. Daniel would bear that out. The experience of the Lord Jesus bears that out. There is still seven years of that prophecy of Daniel to be fulfilled. And you and I are living, as it were, in anticipation, or I should say the world exists in anticipation of that seven years, which is commonly known as the tribulation. Now, the world is moving toward the tribulation. Hallelujah. You and I are living in what the Bible calls the the age of grace. We are living in the church age. The church was started because Israel rejected the Lord Jesus. The church is made up of believing Jews and Gentiles. Hallelujah, the church age is going to come to an end with what we call the rapture of the church. Christ is going to come back. He is going to take the church out. We're going to meet him in the air. And then on this earth will come the final seven years of Daniel's prophecy It'll be a horrible time, the time of Jacob's trouble. The world will be in turmoil, but then Jesus Christ will come back at the end of that seven years, will establish his kingdom, and the long-awaited promises of God toward that nation of Israel will be fulfilled. What a time we live in, and what a time we celebrate right now. Praise the Lord. And praise the Lord Jesus is coming again. Could be any time. The world is moving toward wickedness, revolution, destruction, and the judgment of God. Lord bless you till next time.